Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another High Resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne, and today we are starting to dig a little deeper into the Australian indie game scene through a chat with Ben Lee, the co-founder and managing director at Blowfish Studios. Lee has been a software dev for over 20 years, and Blowfish has been producing games for almost a decade, and recently moved into publishing games as well. They're best known for their Siegecraft games, but have a super diverse range of games across consoles, PC, and mobile. Lee is also really insightful on running a game studio as a business and what you can learn from other businesses of all stripes, not just other game developers. We had a chat a couple of weeks ago at the Blowfish offices in North Sydney. Can you... I guess just set the scene by explaining, you know, who you are um, and uh, what this wonderful studio is. Uh, yeah. Um, so my name is Ben Lee, um, co-founder and managing director of Blowfish Studios. Um, we're an independent game development company and we're also now a publisher, game publisher. Um, we do also do work for hire as well for making games. Um, started... Blowfish Studios, just over nine years ago now, as my business partner Aaron Grove, and he's from the you know, he's from the visual effects industry, so he had um, you know, fifteen years working there. Um, I'm from a software engineering background, and I was working in games and 3D graphics for you know fifteen years as well before we started up Blowfish Studios. Neither of us have worked for like a AAA games company, but um, you know, again, just working in the relevant or you know relevant industries for the last 15 years for that um and we decided you know to, we i've always been a game developer ever since uh even like prime like early primary school i would you know on the vic 20 i'd be making and coding up games and so so we're, and just designing things you know and with aaron uh back i think 15 years before we started blowfish we'd you know, we met at university and and we were just doing it as a hobby, just making, you know, games. Like I wrote my own, um, you know, 3D graphics engine or game engine using uh, OpenGL and DirectX and he was doing art and Maya and we were just, you know, making a game there. And then, you know, he, he moved overseas for work and we you know, just went our own way, still, you know, catching up and stuff. And, um, and yeah, but it was just ever since like my whole life, I've always just wanted to be able to make a game and get it out to the public and sell it, I guess, publish it. So, so yeah, and that's how, you know, Blowfish started. And I was even doing it with my, my wife, as my wife before Blowfish. So we were working on something together, but, um, yeah, so it, it's just been, been part of my life and, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Look, it actually leads into one of my questions really nicely, <laughs> which is what do you feel like the difference is between, just making games and then running a business that makes games because it feels like there's kind of I guess a whole different layer of making sure this thing succeeds uh, or is profitable in some sense along the way there <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so yeah the difference so I mean we when we started we were just making games so me and my business partner um, we made you know first game and made you know made nice little bit of money that told us that we could keep going um and then you know we'll just concentrate on ourselves and just you know work for the first year without without pay right so we're just making the games and then and then we had a, a you know a siegecraft which was a wasn't a big success but it was a still a success you know so yeah did very well for us there and then um during the development of siegecraft is when we kind of we brought on our first kind of um like employee to to help with that and that's kind of where it started where you know, and we need to support ourselves as well 
after that that first year. Yeah, we gave ourselves a year. Um, yeah, we could have just stopped there and said, oh, you know, we 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 made back some money that paid for a year to go off. <laughs> yeah. But um, but no, it was good. And but what happened then was that somebody. Uh, a company came to us. It was um, Scholastic, the children's book publisher, oh, yeah. and they said, you know, they had um, work, a job. So, you know, we want, did we want to make some games for them? And we um, said, yeah, we're having good time. We're you know want to want to keep making games. Um, if someone's going to pay us to make games as well, then then why not? And so we had to go through you know whole tender and pitch process up against a few other companies, but uh, we we you know we won we won that and. Um, so I guess that started the you know the journey of becoming into you know a sustainable um, game developer, and that's you know I'm so I'm managing director, and that's always been my um, goal or you know where I'm trying to go is 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 to sustainable game development. Yeah. So we kind of have always grown organically, like when we when I knew that okay, what I've got lined up for the next you know one or two years is, is enough to put on some more people then then you know we'll do that and um yeah it's been a you know pretty you know we're into our coming to our 10th year now so um you know start two people now to you know 30 people here in in sydney and um a few more overseas as well um and they're yeah, always just expanding out when when able to and and that whole sustainable part means, like you're saying, is like you've got to really think about, you know, how the people that we're employing and and all and all our people, employees are, you know, permanent full time employees. We don't we're we're a bit different to point, us from other places, yeah. yeah Whether you have like contractors or things like that, but um, we don't actually have any. Yeah, you know, everyone here is a full time permanent employee. Yeah, some people would go part time, and that's because they they want to. I mean, yeah. When they when they want to go part time, we'll we'll work around that. Um, some people study, and so we, you know, we, we if someone wants to go off and study in one or two days a week, then you know we try to make that work out if if we can. Um, and that that just means that I guess everybody has been growing together, and I think we've we've run the company that way that you know me and my business partner are able to you know it's with a lot of experience and 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 the other leads and seniors we've got here have a lot of experience, and you know we're there to help and and grow everybody. Yeah, but then everyone's aware that you know we're not. We're not in that position where we're not funded. We're not like getting money from a publisher or stuff like that. Yeah. So you know, we we are growing as we can, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Then, like, do you get feedback from staff like that have worked in other places? Is there a difference, in a sense, whether it is that sort of contract versus full time, or or that sense of you know where we're growing within our means? Is there elements to that that makes people feel a little bit more confident about sort of their, their time here? Um, definitely. So with, with some of the, yeah, with some of the people, that the seniors and leads that have come here, then, you know, they're very impressed by the, I guess, the, the confidence that you're saying about, you know, not, not, so was it? Yeah, it was like, you know, growing beyond our means. Yeah, going, or, yeah. yeah. so they've, they've, you know, we're all kind of aware that some of those big implosions can happen that way. Um, and I'm not saying that won't happen to us because, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, there's no certainty in game development ever, so I'm yeah. going to say that. Um, but because of the way we're approaching it and, um, you know, it, it, it's trying to be in a sensible manner. I'll, again, I'll admit that as we get bigger, it gets harder. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, I mean, it's it takes less to tip you over into that mm. into that place where it's like, hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, again, we've got I've got the confidence of you know the the people that are you know part of the you know, employees and um, yeah, I think contractor wise depends where you are in the industry, I guess. Um, in I think in Sydney is pretty good. Um, most people here in Sydney are employed, um, just, you know, full-time permanent. Um, I think overseas though, you might, you might have a bit more that way. Um, but yeah, I think, no, I think that, that side of the industry, I think it's been pretty good here. Mm. Um, So I mean, what, what right at that kind of really big picture level, what made you decide you wanted to dedicate yourself to games? Was it just, you know, a, a youthful love of games or was it something else? Yeah, for me, it's probably my love of my love of game development. And yeah, like I, I do love games. Like I said, I've I've just ever since I was like seven or eight, I've just loved 
making games. So, you know, back then I'll just, you know, I'd go to the library, get out a, a book that, you know, the, the ASCII code and just type that in. And I remember some of those old books actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that, that was, that was great having that. Yeah, exactly right. You just, you just type it in and that's how you kind of learn, you know, what's going in. You're not, you don't know what you're doing at first, but then yeah. it's like, yeah, well, after you've done it and then you start playing around with the code, then, you know, you get that. And so... No, I can for me, change the name of that character. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I mean, for me, it's just purely because of my love of making games, and um, and that's one thing I guess that I've luckily I've been in that fortunate position where I've been able to to do it. In that, um, yeah, getting into game development is for my love of game development. The for me, like the financial side, it's been always it's a, it's a very secondary part. We all need enough money to live and and try to be as stress free as possible, obviously. But you're always gonna get stressed from other places anyway. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just another one of those things. But um, but yeah, you know, like I got my first job. I was at Telstra. Second job, I went into game development for Indie, and I took a pay cut to go into work for Indie Game Studio. Yeah, and you know, it's just again, it's just one of those things where. Like game development is my passion, and so um, again, luckily for me, it's it's actually you know it's worked out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I think because my passion and the what I put into it is based off that passion rather than something else, then I've been able just to you know keep going through the the good times and the bad times. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the time now, sort of you know, with I guess Blowfish being about a decade old, you. Know, what do you feel like you've built up as, I guess, you know, almost like a unique proposition about, like, what do you feel like Blowfish does um, that sort of sets it apart, That whether that is when you're sort of pitching for other work or when you're creating your own work? Uh, you know, what are those elements that you feel like you've carved out? So it's changed, I think it's changed over the years. Right now, as a developer and publisher, one of our huge strengths is the fact that we are a developer. So we are a game publisher, but what we do is we, any partnership, we will do all the porting and polishing and QA. Um, oh, okay, and, and yeah. Yeah, for, to, so that's what we offer. Like we, normally you might have to go pay someone else to do all the porting and stuff, but we yeah. do all that internally. Um, during development, we're actually like a co-developer of any of the studios that's smaller. Because, you know, we're, we're going to be, typically we're going to be larger than any kind of studio that we're publishing for yeah um and they'll just need help and they'll say you know oh you know we need help with the art with the programming with um your story because we got you know some story writers here and and we'll just be happy just to get in there and and help make the game better not never you know never touching the creative vision of the game development unless they want us to come in there and help yep. with that um but yeah so that so for the game publishing side that is our strength and um where we've released enough games now that I think it's clear that that's a that is something that's unique because of some of the people that we've published for they will, they've already come back to us and you know want to do another game and so you right. know that, that's been you know they've they've seen that benefit um, from the game development side and for for work for hire we've always been a the two tenets of we've always been creative but then also the technically so we've also been very technically. Yep. Um, uh, advanced, I know, not advanced. It's like you know, and we specialized in that. So, yeah. in the very first game, Seascraft, where it was you know um, pretty popular, we actually worked with Apple and we worked with Nvidia, and so we we added in all the you know, the new technologies and frameworks and you know optimizations for the hardware and things like that. And so yeah. that part has really helped with the the work from work for hire point of view. In that um, we can offer not only are we have we been able to create. And design, uh, you know, a game that went to you know number one iPad in US and you know, top ten iPhone game and things like that. So, in order to do that, but then we also have the the full technical ability where where we're able to make and craft you know really high high quality um, games. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's our kind of avenue there. And and over the years, we've just been able to keep building upon that so we you know we build our own internal tools our own you know, um, servers and, and backend for like multiplayer and doing cross-platform multiplayer and user-generated content so when you build that up then it makes it you know, if you have a game idea that you know creatively can be whatever but then you, you need these like cool backend more yeah. technologies and you can just like grab them and say, all right, let's, let's just jump in and, you know, do the fun stuff where you would just like go, go nuts the prototype, <laughs> but then we can just hook into our own servers and, 
or, you know, any tools that, and for things and, and, we're, and we're always doing that. So now we're, you know, we're concentrating, we're still doing um, our server technology but we're also working on like different types of gameplay engines, I yeah. guess you'd say it. So, yeah. so, I mean, with so many of these kind of technology changes over the years, from your perspective, what's, what's easier and what's harder sort of these days? Because, of course, people always talk about how it costs a lot more money to make games these days than it used to, but there's certainly a lot more, um, you know, dev tools that makes it easier to, you know, it's raised the baseline of, of, you know, what does a basic game look like? Suddenly now they look a lot better right out of the gate. Um, so where's that balance for you on what's, what's a little bit easier these days and what's harder these days? I think definitely what's easier is to um, test your game idea. That's definitely yeah, a lot easier. Right. You know what I mean? The, the tools there, Unity, Unreal, um, Game Maker, everything like that, they've enabled, you know, game designers and game developers to really just get in there and test um, test out their idea. Um, the What's easier also in some in some ways, not completely, but finding the the skills or the talent that has experience with those game engines. So, you know, not everyone, because generally in the old days, if you had your own, everyone had their own game engine. So when you hire someone, they're not going to know your game engine. Yeah. They're going to know the basics. And most games have the same basics, but there's going to be some really proprietary stuff to you. So now that you have these these engines, and especially for for the non-AAA type people even triple a now they'll start to use unreal and unity more yeah so but you know so you can sh- skillshare quite a lot more now there so finding other people that can really that automatically know how to work on your game engine and just start again making the game that that's good too um same as a uh, um you know asset production you know you've got you know um blender and um you know and just even you know, it's been a bit of a Consolidation between the three D, like you know, Maya and and three um, DS Max. You don't have so much like Soft Image and we are Wave. Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, what's the other one? I used to use. I can't remember. <laughs> it's faded. Light, off lightwave. Into the lightwave. Oh, so <laughs> I, I used I used Lightwave a lot when I was you know, starting out. So yeah, um, I like Lightwave. But um, you know, so that that's kind of consolidated. So that's there. Uh, what's harder though is like you're saying is because that early part is easier than the last part of like the last half or last 10% of game development is um, is harder because the level, the bar, the bar is higher yeah, now right. than needed. Um, but, you know, for, for indie game development, sometimes, you know, if you've, you've chosen your style and everything, you don't have to worry about that part of it. Um, but still, um, and then doing the whole thing, like we, we port games. So we do focus on Unity and Unreal and Game Maker. And even though they're multi-platform and they'll make a build and everything, there's still a lot that needs to be done to be able to get it approved and certified and released yeah. on those platforms, which the engines don't help you with. So you've got you've got more people that necessarily didn't have the the core technical skills to to make that last jump, making really great successful games. Then to make that last jump, then you still need. I guess the the technical skills and to to drive that forwards, and so that is a bit harder for some for some studios now. Um, mm. But you know, of course, anyone can learn it. Just how long it takes, people might think it should take less than it actually does. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, there's uh, that probably then leads into the whole question of sort of you know finding talent, people being trained in the right ways, or even it, you know, is it almost sometimes it's that tricky thing of you know, is it just that if someone wants to get into the scene, then it is just about, you know, just putting in the time to just play with the tools that are out there and build your skills yourself. Like you don't necessarily have to go to uni or a college to sort of learn the skills if if you have the passion for it. Like what's your sort of take on um, on what a prospective person should be doing to be able to then demonstrate to you, I know how to use these tools? <laughs> yeah, no, great question. Um, and to me there's two... There's two answers because one, you can definitely self-teach yourself everything and anything you need to be able to do in game development. Um, that's why you have some really crazy people out there, solo game developers, right? <laughs> they can make some amazing games like, all by themselves. Yeah, so <laughs> you know the the content or the you know the, the learning and stuff that is out there. Um, you definitely do not need to go to a college to be able to do that. Um, or you know, university, um, but you need to do it properly. 
You know what I mean? You need to be focused and passionate and again and just and, and learn and practice. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. You know, I've, got, I've, got, we've got, I've got two daughters and one of the things is like trying to teach their daughters is same thing. You know, if you want to get good at something, there's no shortcuts to it. You must practice. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so you know, she's learned piano and violin. She's got a, <laughs> yeah. you know, she doesn't want to do it. She said, oh, it doesn't matter if I make mistakes. I said, well, actually it does matter because if you just keep repeating the same mistakes and don't care about it, then you're not actually going to get better. So it's not that it's the end of, you know, it's the end of the line or anything, but if you, you just need to be focused on getting better, you know, yeah. doing something. Um, and, you know, we've, I think a lot of people, you know, everyone trying to gain, you know, knows that. So, um, but there are some people that still don't, you know, quite get the fact you've really you know if you want to be the top of the game you've got to kind of dedicate a fair bit of your time to to self-improvement um so you definitely don't need to but then on the flip side of it uh i've always been a kind of a um like i've supported the idea that if you want to get into games it's it's not easy so if you want to be able to you know do something else while you're not in games or while you're trying to get into it, then, then doing a, uh, you know, uh, you know, degree, you know, bachelor of arts or bachelor of you know, comp sci- you know, computer science or, um, you know, even just, you know, some, know, anything like even like, um, any of the sciences really, I think would help as well. Uh, you, you know, it's like, like those build, build will, a related skill, but you know, that, you still care about, but you know, on while you're sort of pursuing that passion. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, I think I think the game, you know, the game degrees are while they while they're great and they'll give you a really good kind of general overview. Um, I think where where they struggle is at the end of the day, if you don't get into games, then what do you do with it? Um, so if you go from more traditional that is relevant to games that you, you you have that. And again, it has to be something you enjoy though. Yeah. If you don't enjoy it, then no, don't worry. Don't yeah. bother doing it. Don't but go and you, do the law degree your parents <laughs> force you to do yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. <laughs> no, they still have great game developers that have, you know, that have done, done that. And then, sure, and then actually, 10, you know, 15 years in, I go like, I'm, all right, I've done what I, I'm supposed to do. Now let me go do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, that, and that's another way. But that just takes you a lot longer to get yeah. into it, and it's, a, it's certainly a valid way of doing it, right? Um, so you know, I, and I did a bit of that too. You know, went through a bit of life where I had to like focus more on on family and things like that. So mm. it's just you do what you do. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I I suggest that way just because again, you can you might even find you really enjoy what you were that you know that that course and like going specializing that way yeah you know but and but if you're still really dedicated and focused on on games and and just applying what you've learned to your own game development at home and then and then finding you know, when you finish the course and go all right go go looking for jobs and and you have your you have your portfolio still based on what you've done yourself um mm. and in all the courses you've always got electives elective subjects i think maybe people aren't maybe you know students these days aren't made aware properly about what opportunities you have within a more traditional university course. Um, cause, you know, I did software, I did computer systems engineering, but I could specialize in 3d graphics. And so all of my electives were just into, you know, 3d graphics. And so, yeah. Yeah. They help out. Um, so what are some of the things along the way? I don't know whether it's specifics or in general, but things that have kind of been, I guess, hard moments along the road to trying to truly, feel like yep i have built a, a business that works now you know have there been any of those kind of <laughs> milestones where you almost think oh this is the moment when it goes other way but thankfully you've you know you've yeah. come out the right side every every week i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um that's being serious <laughs> yeah. i don't think there's you know yeah. there's ever a time where we feel like we've made it unless i think when we have a massive hit then maybe i'll go okay now i can relax a little bit but yeah no it, it but you know, and this is no different to any other small, small to yeah. medium business owner. It just you know, it isn't. That's yeah. no matter how much you think, oh, this is like painful. Like well, one great thing that I've, I've been really thankful for now, um, and, and and it's more now that I we have grown a little bit, but I've been able to meet a lot of other business owners and managing directors of not game development companies, just other companies like tech companies, not even tech, just, you know, in food industry and whatever, just because we, you know, we take part in the export awards. And so, um, and then even like just meetups around North Sydney, right? So I think that has been great just to see and see that everybody 
yeah, we're all dealing with the same issues and you know yeah. how we get through them. That's and that's been a great you know, great support network. But again, that's only happened for me in the last couple of years. So um, before that, we were just so um, underwater and just you know head down trying to trying to keep the company going. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's where it is. Um, and I think one of the things is. You know, your original one way back. Your original question was about you know going from just being a game developer to being a business. So the the business side is unfortunately for many for many businesses is that even if you don't want to grow, for you to feel like that you're that you've got a sustainable business and that you're going okay, you actually you need that growth. Yeah. Because at any time, if you get hit by something negative then if you don't have that growth then you're not going to have a, a cushion or a buffer to, yeah. to to get past that so um and it it really is unfortunately it's like a death spiral not death spiral <laughs> but you know when we were much smaller the buffer we needed was a lot smaller so yeah. we just needed to you know do that but then that growth to get yeah. that small buffer means you get bigger and then you need to have a bigger buffer and then you need to get and so now yeah. so now i get it like i i understand like i don't I don't believe in just continual growth and profits or anything all the time, which is what some of the you know the listed companies and stuff. Are. I, I hate yeah. that. I really hate that part of it. But as a business, if you know, if you do just want to be able to last twenty, you know, thirty years, and you've got to have something there that's that's just carrying you forward, you know, slowly and surely. Um, yeah, and that's that's hard. So for us, it's you know, it's always about finding. So having so many potential opportunities and projects and going after them, knowing you know, you know like you just get one out of ten, something like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and that's just you know that's not just work for us. Work for That's our games. That's you know um, publishing everything. Kind of kind of pulls that together. So, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you recommend? Um, based on that idea that, you know, through those business awards and things that you've kind of been meeting people that aren't just in games, sometimes, you know, it sort of leaps to mind that there's a lot of the very, you know, industry-focused networking type things that happen and I'm sure they're great for finding new potential candidates, all sorts of great connections can be built. But would you recommend other people to actually look for some of those kind of networks that are just more business networks rather than game networks? Oh, definitely, yes, 100% because... Yeah, like I said, yeah, like business, being a business owner is being a business owner. You need, yeah. You're facing the same things with, you know, employment, tax, um, government, you know, just, you know, the the economy, your local economy, whatever. Yeah. That That's all the same. And and it's it's funny enough, it's not just about these, about business meetups too. So I meet people. So I also, for my local preschool, like I'm a volunteer on the management committee and there you yep. met, I mean, other business owners there and, and, and make great connections there. And another person I've, I met, um, there, she's got a. She runs a company here in North Sydney too. I met her just down at um, like Perisher. We were just sitting there. Our kids were just playing in the snow. We just started chatting. I was like, oh, he's from North Sydney too. And it's like you know, and and, and there. And then when we came back. We met up, and you know. So it's yeah. I, uh, there's so many different opportunities if you if you're open to it, just for meeting people. Also, that that kind of yeah. Area. But, there, but there's also you, know, you got your Chamber of Commerce. Um, you know, they're I think they're for a really. Chamber of Commerce is good because they are focused on the really kind of really small businesses too. So if you're starting up, um, again, just, you know, look, check out your local Chamber of Commerce and just see, um, you know, what what courses or, you know, they'll just run a gathering and you can go there and just hear um, other people and just get to meet up. Um, So, yeah, and. I think those sort of things, yeah, people just don't know about, right? Yeah. And and but you might just not really care as well, but you yeah. really you, you probably should, just because it does, you know, it does help. Like I think people should know that they're not, you know, it's not unique to you in that you might feel that way, but you know, because you generally do only hear. So that's, that's what these things are good for, because you generally only hear the good side of things or the positive aspects of you know what's happening yeah. to other people. But when you get to these kind of places where you can have these, you know, real I guess more meaningful conversations, and and these conversations and meetings, they are specifically about the negative things or things that happen bad, bad things can happen to you in your business. Um, I think that's important to note too. 
So you know, it's again like like the game dev ones are good too. Like they do that as well, like you, where you share your 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 struggles and your and all that. But then these other business ones are exactly the same. Yeah, they're they're not about people getting up there and saying, "Oh, I'm doing this and like growing up." I'm so more, good. <laughs> yeah, it's more about no. This is you know this is what you know what we're trying to get through at the moment. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any kind of you know advice to to get through that? And so that, that's so it's important. Yeah, that's great. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Um, you mentioned publishing and partnership stuff a little earlier, but when I was looking at uh, the website, I sort of, you know, there's some of the obvious names that you might see in terms of partner type companies and, you know, all the kind of the tech companies and the major you know, platforms and all that. But then there's companies like Cochlear and sort of interesting mm. other things. Like, is there interesting kind of other work that you've been sort of doing through there that sort of is applying, you know, game dev skills into areas people might not sort of think about? Yeah, so those ones, um, Cochlear and and Langer Rock, um, others, they were like VR related. Yeah, so right. you know, so we, so we did, uh, Seashcraft Commander. We made a VR version and put it on 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 Steam. So we've got the skills and experience of doing some of that, and and a lot of that that kind of work is based on. Well, well, actually, a lot of work we do get is based on just knowing people, and they yep. and they know about because we don't we don't we don't advertise. The fact that we do work for hire at all, really. Yeah. Um, so, Wait, really where, is, would you, where do you advertise that stuff? Is there? A, I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah, do like it. <laughs> I don't have a salesperson. I don't the do secret anything. industry yeah. newspaper. <laughs> yeah. No. To be honest, like, um, yeah, other companies like Chaos Theory and stuff like that. You could ask them. Um, even like any or SMG Ash and Soap. So yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, for us, we don't do it at all, and that's, I guess, good and bad. Bad because I don't probably missing out a lot of stuff but <laughs> but good because we're busy enough as it is so. yeah um but no but that's you know just people knowing us and they and i guess our advertising is that because we do our own games a lot still so people just see both studios you know in the marketplace and they go oh, okay so you you know you've, you've done that um you know you get you get again like press and media articles you know every now and then about us so um yeah yeah um so what do you think I guess the, well, you know, it's that nice line, Mark, we're in 2020. We've got a whole shiny exact calendar decade behind us. Mm. You know, <laughs> how do you feel like, you know, the industry has evolved, um, you know, over this sort of past decade, whether for good or for ill? Oh, it's evolved many times, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And we've, you know, we've evolved many times too, I guess, with it. It's been, it's been a crazy ride, obviously. At the start of the decade or just before, it was a big kind of, you know, the gold rush into mobile mm-hmm. mobile game development, being self-publishing there, and, and that's where we started. And then I think and then early, then a few years in, then it went to consoles. And so in that, we did, I guess we kind of did the same thing that we were in mobile and then a lot of people started going to mobile and then we pivoted kind of out of mobile into consoles and then so we're doing that. And and now that that generation now is also coming, coming to an end or that, console generation yeah. now the, the next thing is obviously you know subscription and streaming and so now that's the next kind of evolution and and, and this is a this is a large one because it is affecting um every segment of the industry from AAA down to indie um yeah it's really a massive disruptor so uh i mean i think we've talked to a lot of other companies also getting into it and i think they're you know they're they're having their own issues so everyone's just trying to find the right avenue um and because it's also a technical 
disruption, like evolution. So not only do you have your business model, business and financial models changing, you've also got technology changing and a lot of companies are actually struggling with that technology change as well. Yeah. So you've got change in technology, change in um, you know financial models and, and change in business models. Um, yeah, you've got your changing to remote, remote dev. Um, we've still got 30 people all here in the one studio because for me, I'm just a great believer. Like you can see people just gather and, you know, and you just talk and you kind of, you can kind of do it online, but when you're face to face and you can get, you see everybody and just get, you can get excited, I think a lot more about certain things yeah, too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, I think evolution wise though, it's going to be interesting. Um, we, I, I have no way under any assumptions or delusions that we know what's going to happen, what the best <laughs> way to do it is. So, as per most people, it's about trying to be at the you know the forefront of whatever's happening yeah. in as many things as possible, and then yeah. trying to make sure you well, you can't be in everything. But so it's like all right, picking the right one. So yeah, you know we we haven't done anything with like Google Stadia or you know, the Google stuff. So we've just been focused on you know. Um, consoles and, and then you know apple arcade and things like that yeah. so it's a choice and we'll see how, how that goes uh we are trying to we're getting to transmedia more too so i think that's a bit of evolution that you know we started that that, that journey over a year ago um funnily enough we didn't know but a lot of the triple a studios now have been announcing that they obviously got into it about a year ago too because now they're coming out with all their different you know netflix and and all those shows and um, so we're trying to do exactly the same thing, but with our with our IP and our um, other developers that we publish their IP as well. Yeah, cool. Um, so that that will be interesting um, because you know, again, as you as we all move to that kind of streaming subscription based world, and then people are packaging and bundling things together. If if you have brands that can kind of cross those um, yeah. things, and that's you know, potentially it's strong. It's it's difficult though. You know, we're we're not uh, we're not one of those. Big brands that already exist in either um, yeah, the video, TV industry, or the or the gaming industry. So, um, but because there is so it's such a large market, there's still you know space for for little people. Yeah, we hope anyway. So that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. So how do you have much visibility on like how the maths changes with you know when you're you know selling a game into the market versus when a a game goes into a subscription service is there sort of is it just like an upfront fee or is it just share a voice kind of trailing revenue like how does that stuff yeah. work at the moment i mean i and i'm sure it'll I keep changing yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no it'll keep changing i mean i can't yeah. i think many everyone's kind of slightly different the way that they do the participation in yeah. the in the revenue share um I don't think I don't know if anyone's got it down right. I think what the you know, developers are we're hopeful for is that you know it's it doesn't get locked it doesn't lock down other developers, but then also whoever you know it also is um, it's a viable revenue stream though for developers yeah. as well. So I, I you know you can see a lot of people talking about it and. Twitter and everything is like in social media. It, it, it's a difficult thing. No one knows. It can either destroy destroy us or it can help us. <laughs> we don't know. And yeah, um, I think for me, participating in both sides is what we do. Is yeah. is the only thing we can do at the moment just to yeah. see how it goes. Um, but also by participating in both sides, like is it like your question was the mass? Like it lets us see how it works. And um, you know, to be as honest as I can about that question. I don't see either one being any better or any worse just yet. Yeah. Um, neither of them are terribly great. <laughs> what they, they, you know what it could have been. So let's just yeah. say that it's not going. It's not going to be the savior, um, but it's also not going. To, I don't think it's going to be the death knell either. Yeah. You know what I mean. So right now, that's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thinking sort of forward, then a little bit more. You know, what do you think? Um, whether it's, I mean, I guess we've kind of talked broadly about a few things, but, you know, what do you hope happens that helps game development thrive over, you know, over the coming decade? Not necessarily, I guess, with this distrib- distribution stuff, but, um, you know, how does it, how do people sort of feel like, you know, games just keep moving forward in exciting ways 
that excites both developers and people who want to play them. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think they're. I think the things I've got in mind are both naturally occurring. The gaming audience is just growing. You know what I mean? Yeah. As you know, people, more people now just play games, and that's uh, you know, in say twenty years, essentially everyone will be playing games because it's become the norm. Yeah. Um. You know, it's the norm now for the younger generation um, and middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and even now it's getting even older. So yeah, I think soon that I mean that that is a big deal where. Um, you know, I think the challenge there is, for whatever reason, governing bodies still don't understand or admit or agree. I don't know whatever yeah. their head in the sand, whatever. <laughs> but you know, I think that so that I think that's a big challenge there. I think if we could get the governing bodies just to accept the fact that games is is the largest entertainment industry now, <laughs> yeah. and that everyone plays them, and there's many different types of games, some. Some, you know, that's where you have age ratings, right? Yeah. Some are the higher <laughs> ratings, some are the lower ratings, exactly like movies and TV shows. Like we are no different in that regards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, that could be somewhere where it could help with the, with the governments. Uh, the actual distribution platforms, I think they're, again, the platform holders there are doing a great job of doing that. So um, I think that's, yeah. I can't see any issues there with the Switch, the next generation, you know, PS5 and Xbox Series X and then you, you know, Stadia and all those sort of things. They've got it covered, right? I can't yeah. – I, I personally don't see – I don't know, VR as well. Sorry, VR as well. I don't yeah, yeah. see any gaps there really. Um, and Netflix even doing their, you know, like their Bandersnatch and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So that I, really, I actually really thought that was cool. So, again, it's like, yeah, it's a massive effort though to do that. Um, so whether it's worthwhile doing that rather than just a normal game, I don't know. <laughs> but it was it was cool that they did it. Um, yeah. So you know, and they've got more shows like that too. So I mean, that's just widening, I guess, the industry, and then maybe those shows will start bringing in more gaming, I guess, elements into it as well, rather than just choosing. Um, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I loved you know again on that technical level with that sort of stuff. Because I remember sort of there was a whole discussion on why it works on some platforms and not others. Mm. And it was like, well, it has to be able to essentially pre-roll, you know, the next section. Like there are all these kind of yeah. technical parameters to smoothly transitioning yeah. from one video into one of multiple other videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It and and, and it, might, it might sound not that difficult, but then you look at the problems and the just normal video streaming platforms have and they can't even just stream a normal video at like 4k and yet <laughs> yeah, exactly. you've got netflix doing this like so yeah it's you know yeah and they're doing it all on aws that's always kind of been the thing that amazes me is that netflix is so silky smooth and you're like there's some really good <coughs> coders behind the scenes there yeah. to be able to push that out i mean aws have, i mean they're they're just going nuts on tech and stuff as well and building out infrastructure so that's that's a good point though because it, it's all accessible to game developers too you know what I mean? Yeah. AWS, they specialize. They build it out for a couple of key clients and for themselves. But then as soon as they've done that, then what they start doing is offering it to everyone else because they need to keep their, their machines going and, you know, their stuff and, and, they, and they have yeah. it. So, um, so I think, you know, that's AWS, even though they're the market leaders, they're, they're, they're not doing it in a way like a monopoly would. They actually, they're actually giving away, you know, they, they, they're very free with their, professional technical services um if you're thinking of going and using their services you just speak to one of them and they'll hook you up with one of their you know their, their senior tech people just to help you understand what you want to do what the best way to do it like they're they're really good that way um, that's great yeah i think google was a bit like that but I've, i think that for us they've they've backed off a bit um microsoft too um just because I'm, i don't know why i mean they're just I know there's uh, too much other stuff going on, maybe, which you know could, could be the case. So. We're building a new console. Sorry, everybody, we'll be yeah, uh, busy yeah. for a little while. Yeah, Google's <laughs> using all everything for Stadia at the moment. Like, yeah, no, don't touch it. <laughs> um, so when we think about how skills then shift forward from here as well, I mean, we've touched on it a little bit, but um, again, you know, do you feel like the mix of skills you have out there in the office, you know, now is going to be different again in you know? the next five to ten years you know does it keep shifting or is there certain core elements that are always going to stay the same i think i think there's certain core elements will always will well for the next decade will be the same anyway um but you know already we have you know we've got um 3d animation we've got you know we've got a mocap you know set up here 
got 2D, you know, 2D artists, um, some of them are graphic artists as well as just traditional. Uh, have 3D artists. Uh, we have narrative designers, story writers, um, screenwriters. Um, we have QA. We have, you know, obviously programming. Um, have game design. Uh, we have technical artists, um, producers. I mean, I don't, you know, uh, I think the only thing we really outsource is our audio because we don't have, a, don't have an audio center here but um you know at some point that, that might be a thing we do internally but we've got some really great partners already for that um yeah i mean sure you can always pull something out but at, a, at the moment i can't see i guess what new roles might come in um, yeah i mean programming programmers are very general term it's like you know you, you, within <laughs> yeah, that we point. have specialists yeah. too we've got <laughs> we've got people can do server backend stuff we've got people that, you know, unity we've got unreal Again, so it's, yeah, I can't just say programmers. So yeah, so maybe a new platform comes out, and then we need to like skid up on that. So yeah, um, we're, we're always doing that. Um, yeah, yeah, and then I mean beyond someone's raw set of skills with the job that you're looking for, what is it about you know somebody when you're looking to hire some of the new people? Is there are there what are the other kind of elements that that help somebody stand out from someone else? Is it is you know passion in inverted commas? Um, you know how does someone actually <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. show that they they really want to be doing this and not just something? Um, else? You know we 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 talk about that. We ask about that in, in the interviews. They don't decide though. I mean, I mean they're I mean they're a factor, obviously. Yeah. But saying that some people will just come and say, you know, I'm I'm interested. I really want to do games. But I don't. I don't know if it's for me forever or the future. And, and it's like, all right, well, that's fine. Like your, your skill set's good. You know, you fit in and so say, let, let's yeah. give it a go. And you might, you might like it um, for, for forever. We don't know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're disinterested, then no. <laughs> you know, if you're coming, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> no. But um, yeah, if you're showing genuine interest and, um, and passion and uh, – you know, you know games. You know, you're you're a game player. Um, I think that's important. Uh, it's a good point, isn't it? Actually, yeah. that I think. I mean, it's like in so many other creative industries. It's almost like you need to be consuming it to kind mm-hmm. of really keep up with it and to have that sense of you know that shared language of what is it we're trying to we're trying to make. Yeah, and and you draw a lot of inspiration from from that consumption too. Not copying or anything, but it's like yeah. you'll see something and go, "Wow, that's I never thought you could actually pull that off." Or yeah. like, you know, right, well you can do that. So, let's go. You know, that just opens up a whole new range of game ideas. Yeah. So, um, you got that point. Um, you know, there and there are there are some masters of the you know, of the art out there. Like here, if you don't play those games and don't get to at least look at it, you just you don't you, you won't know you know again you won't have the appreciation for what can be achieved again as well so yeah i think that's very important um and and it's also good for us to know what kind of game people like playing because we do so i think you know i didn't actually answer that the very first question is what our blowfish you know is that i really love or because um you know because we are fully independent um we get to do we get to make game whatever games we want essentially yeah. and we've never Really made the same game we have like, again, so we can't always doing something different. Um, but then also when things come across our you know desk for either for work for hire as well or for publishing, then we know okay, like we know these people kind of like this game. Go you know what are your thoughts either for the game design or or go play this game and do an analysis of it because when you're trying to um, also you know figure out whether a game is good or not for its audience, if you're not of that audience, then sure you can look at it from a quality, I guess, and technical point of view. But from the you know gameplay and appeal point of view, you can't do that so well because it's not your, it's not, it's never going to appeal to you. So, yeah. so what can you say? So, just having that nice, um, you know, I guess yeah, the variety of, of that here in the studio is, is really good, yeah. and we do we have that. So, um, latest game we just we just launched a couple of days ago, Infliction, it's a horror game, and. Like I can't, I can't play horror games. Like that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not good at the horror movies or anything. But we have some, you know, in the, in the like a QA manager, Maria. She loves horror and horror games, so you know, she's been right into that. Whereas, and then another guy is like Aiden. He's just like he's like me. And Aiden is like, so it's like he, he's testing it. He's like, no, like, <laughs> why do I have to? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, but and also it, it's still good to see also see how a game appeals to different, you know 
people too. Yeah. So you don't just want to test it on the on the people that like that style. You, if you try, if you can bring in new people to that genre, that's that's even better, right? So um, you're trying to see you know, evaluate how it goes against the target target market and the, and the other people. So yeah, yeah. Um, so so the two last things. One, if you could. You know, click your fingers. Is there anything about the whole sort of world of game development or the industry or the world around game development that you'd love to be able to just change overnight and make things a little bit better? Discoverability is one of the hardest ones. Um, you know, we we struggle with that as you know, as much as anybody else. Um, but again, you know, the things that like the, you click my fingers and change the things you just can't, like you don't know what's the answer to, right? <laughs> discoverability and funding, you know? <laughs> we didn't have to worry about funding, we didn't have to worry about discoverability. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, I mean, they kind, of, kind of like go hand in hand though. If you didn't have discoverability issues, then you could more, I guess, predict sales reliably, you know, what you might sell of a game. Yeah, then the um, cream really w- w- would rise in yeah, that sort of yeah, sense, yeah. right? So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. They're the things that are just because they're just too hard to figure out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then lastly, yeah, what you know, what excites you most about the future of you know running Blowfish and I guess working in the Australian industry? Yeah. Um, in Sydney, I think we're we're moving into a really strong period of growth for the game industry. Um, I just know talking to other you know the games companies here and, and what's going on. I think it's going to be it's a very exciting time. Um, if we can you know we can get some government support, which we've been vying for for a while, that can come in. That that's just going to you know help it. And so I think that is very exciting. I I, I am hoping you know dearly over the next you know this decade there's going to be a massive growth here um, for the industry. Uh, for ourselves, for Blowfish. Um, we have some amazing projects that we're working on. Uh, you know, we announced where you know, we did a partnership with Valiant Entertainment, Valiant Comics. Um, they've got their Bloodshot movie coming out next month with Vin Diesel, and but we've got access to their kind of you know their whole roster of superheroes, and we're well, not superheroes, just heroes, yeah, things, <laughs> villains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're terms. yeah, so we're again we're able to take our really you know high um. You know, all the technology and everything and our quality of games and, and creativity from that point of view but then marry it with an IP. We've got some same same kind of thing but we've got our own IP that's coming out very soon and um, that's, you know, super excited about that. Um, and then we've also got the, like I said, we're working on trying to get some streaming, you know, video content like ancillary IP deals going. So we've already, you know, last year we brought out our own, our first comic books series, like, you know, physical comic books with Dynamite Comics. Um, and we've got another series coming out this year too. We don't know who we're going to publish that with. But, but, you know, I think just so much opportunity for, for Blowfish. And, and then, yeah, I think, and everyone's here is kind of excited by by the potential, the um for me, my job as being managing, you know, managing director is just I just need to be able to keep the company going to to realize all these things, right? And that's and and yeah, again, it ties in one of the questions: like, what's the difference between game development and moving into a business? Is that yeah, as a business, you've, you've got to keep it going. I mean, everybody has so much potential and ideas for games, uh, but how do you implement? It? How do you realize it? And, and that's part. That's where the business side comes in. Yeah, you know, you know, just got to concentrate on that. But then keep my sanity by staying in the game development side as well, which I'm, I'm able to do. So, um, but yeah, so because it's no. part of running as kind of a, a smaller uh, company rather than a, a really big one, is that yes. you can still touch code now and then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But as, you know, at the moment, so what am I? I, I, I manage director, I'm like CTO, CFO, HR. <laughs> um, I do a little bit of bookkeeping. Uh, obviously, biz dev, still a bit of you know production, doing a producer. But also doing, I get to do coding, and you know I get to work in Unity and Unreal and Game Maker, and um, I just not not heavily. I just do the bits that um, kind of like unblock other people, so I can go and do yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, I, it's yeah, it's part of like I said running a small business. So yeah, um, one total sort of just side question: the um, like tech stack type stuff. I think people might kind of find interesting on just running the business you know it's like mm. is it a do you use like slack or like what kind of internal mm. tools are you using to help you know keep keep the place running yeah um so when we started off 10 years ago nine years ago we were using i guess skype 
and and Trello. Like we we started off using Trello. That was that was great. We are still now using Trello. Um, we're always evaluating other tools like that because Trello is not by any means um, close to being the <laughs> the best tool for for what we do. Yeah. But at the moment, it still is the best tool for what we yeah. do. Um, if we were just a software house, then yeah, we'd be using like Jira or something because Jira is the best at doing that part. Yeah. But we're not a software house. We have to involve art, art reviews and you know, story reviews and all that sort of stuff. And so Trello really is that kind of middle ground for us that works well. Yeah. Um, we've moved – obviously, we still need to use Skype because a lot of business are, biz, businesses – not businesses but developers use that for communicating. But now Slack is what we use um, internally. And, and also with some developers too, we get them onto different Slack groups. Um, Slack we use here because – uh, it's integrations essentially. It's, it's like Trello. It integrates very well with you know Dropbox, yeah. Google Drive. Um, we even have it. You know, so we use Jenkins for like our build, build server, build machine, and and um, so Slack actually integrates with Jenkins. So you can actually, we can actually type into the Slack channel saying, "Build me this game, this project, this commit, and send it to this dev kit, test kit, and it'll it'll go and do it." So yeah, cool. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Like, it works. It's great when it's working, but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll break something in it and we'll, we'll change that. But, yeah, no, so Slack is you know, really good for that. Um, what else? Uh, I guess Discord being moving into it a little bit. Yeah, I've seen some people sort of whether they're trying to make that instead of Slack yeah. or whatever. But no, no, you can't use yeah. it instead of Slack, but it, it's it's, just, it's, a, it's a community. It's a social media thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we do getting into Twitch, Discord. Uh, I think it's great. You know, Steam has got its kind of – live streaming thing now yeah um we use google drive we used to use um dropbox um and again we did a big evaluation between the difference between dropbox and google drive uh we are a very big shared technology um office in that we have a lot of mac we have a lot of windows um android and ios and stuff like that and so google drive is um Seems to be the best for us that covers, yeah. integrates well with all platforms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, Dropbox has its very good strengths, but has a, some very large weaknesses which we can't <laughs> we can't get around. So, yeah. um, Google Drive, you know, and when we're you know we, we use Gmail for our domain handling and yeah, um, and just doing that like like whatever client you use doesn't matter, but the yeah. back end is is Gmail. Yeah. And what that means is that. If you pay your monthly subscription for if you Google your G Suite account, you have unlimited cloud storage per user, and that is a great thing. In yeah. a company this size, sure, we don't know where it's going or <laughs> but you know, you, there's, a, there's a level of trust, right? But I mean, yeah. we back up everything to the cloud. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, send it there because it's unlimited. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like. That yeah. doesn't matter. So yeah. we just we deal with some very large files at times as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll be running for like nine years. So, yeah. you know, what I mean? it's like I don't have everything there from nine years ago. I wish I did. That's the problem. I wish I did because then I could, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, it's great at searching. You search something and it'll, you know, obviously like it's gone through all your data, but, you know, there's, there's nothing there that we could try to hide or anything. So it yeah. doesn't really matter. Um, but, um, yeah, so we, we use that. Yeah. Look, Ben, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thanks, James. Yeah. Thanks again to Ben Lee from Blowfish Studios for that really insightful chat. I'm going to explore the Australian games development scene a lot more this year, uh, working closely with industry's peak body, IGEA, to help connect with a lot of great developers and to help tell their stories about the challenges and the opportunities across both, I guess, the past, the present and the future of the local industry. So stay tuned for a lot more of that. And I might as well say as well that if you are a game dev and you'd be interested in catching up for a chat sometime, then feel free to get in touch. Uh, you can track me down on Twitter. I am at Seamus. Uh, or you can follow Byteside itself at Byteside. Find a lot more at Byteside.com. Uh, for both high resolution and my other podcasts. And of course, you can email me via ask at biteside.com. We'll catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.